Welcome to Planet Pod, the podcast for everyone who cares about the planet. Estelle, thank you so much. Um, at Planet Pod, we try and get beneath subjects, and I really wanted to just take a few minutes of your time to probe some of these issues around climate justice and why people are motivated to take to the streets in the way that they are now. Um, and also perhaps how that really sits with the rule of law, because one might think that those two things are in conflict. But your whole professional career has been around working in the field of, of climate justice and environmental law. How did you get there and why do you do this? Yes, well, first of all, thank you very much indeed. It's a great pleasure to speak to you. Uh, careers sometimes are very strictly sculpted and there's a path that's laid out by the person with great thought over a long period of time. And that was not me and that has not been my career at all. Um, the one thing that I was very certain about when I started to think about what I wanted to do was that I wanted to do something um, with the law and something that would allow me to engage in a deep way with things and also, because I quite like speaking, something that would allow me to be an advocate. And so it became pretty clear once I realised the various career paths in law that barristering was the one for me. And I also knew that I was very interested in the broad sphere of public law, which is to do with government decision-making. But within that, there was a lot that in interested me. And for the first, I'd say, six years, maybe more of my career at the bar, uh, I had a very, very broad practice. I did work in uh, a, a large number of areas, including you know, niches like election law. Um, but throughout, I had an interest in and started to develop a practice in planning and environment. And for the last few years, I've realised that environment is really the sort of thing that gets my, gets my heart firing. And when you're in an all-encompassing job like that of a barrister, the easiest and the best way of keeping sane is to do a thing that makes you love what it is that you're doing. So it's the passion that drives you? It is. And what is it about, about the environment? I mean, is it, would you say you're an environmentalist first... And a, and a barrister second, or are those two things... It sounds as if those two things are inextricably linked they in are, your life now. For me, absolutely. And the more that I've engaged with the environmental issues, I was always interested in the environment as a topic, and at school I got involved with various conservation uh, issues, and at university as well, but it was, it, was, it was always just one of those myriad of things that I was interested in. But then when the intersection between the environment and law became something real for me, that's when it really took off. And I've never come to an issue with a pre-existing view, really. Although, plainly, I'm interested in conserving the environment and ensuring that people and planet can live in harmony. Um, I've never really come to an issue like fracking, for example, with a pre-existing idea that it must be bad or that it must be good or that it must be somewhere in between. Uh, I've always allowed the, the evidence that I come to when I'm engaged in a case to shape the view that I take. And it happens to be that the evidence that I've engaged with throughout various different areas of the law, be it renewables, be it fracking, be it coal mining, be it air quality... All of that has led to a practice 
which one could characterise as a bit of an environmentally activist practice. But that's not been a choice that I've made in the sense that that's where I wanted to end up. That's where the evidence has driven me. So unlike many um, climate environmental activists who are passionate and believe that they're on the side of the right and those that are polluting the planet are on the side of the wrong, you've come to that decision through, through cold, thoughtful and possibly some would say, you know, almost clinical examination mm. of fact. And that must strengthen the case when you're, when you're arguing on behalf of an environmental group, mustn't it? Because those things are, are irrefutable. Yes, for me it absolutely does. It makes entire sense to be able to base what I'm saying on the hard evidence. Because there's only so far you can go when you, you make the broader points. And I think it's one of the things that for those of us who are very, very concerned about climate change, as we all really should be, the translating of that hard evidence into something that moves people, I think, is the most important thing. But you have to start from the evidence, because otherwise what you say can very easily be undermined. And so for me, that journey of going from the evidence to then be able to advocate, either before the court in the way that um, a, a passionate advocate can, or outside of the court, kind of with the reins taken off a little bit, in the way that a passionate speaker can, has been incredibly important for me. Do you think there is enough movement and change, though? Because the evidence isn't... We don't need any more evidence that the climate is under threat. Um, And the kinds of cases that you're fighting are quite local to the UK at the moment, so they are fracking, they're wind farms, as you say, coal mining. How do we make that evidence much more obvious to government and policymakers? And and how do we actually shift up a gear? Because we know the evidence is there, and you've proven that the evidence is there. So how do we take that and actually make the change? I mean, do we need those street protesters as well? Yeah, so this is a, an age-old and complicated question, how the law intersects with policy and social change and how social protest intersects with the law and policy change. Uh, I think there are a number of things that are particularly relevant to the environment. First, um, the law as it is now is quite strongly shaped by two different forces – One comes from uh, a wish to protect the environment, and we have, in fact, some of the most advanced climate change legislation in the world. But the other comes from uh, a a place where the government has essentially, over the years, blown hot and cold, if I can use the phrase, um, on various environmental issues, depending on how strong the lobby is, that is, lobbying the, the government at the time. And that limits what you can do as a lawyer, because even with the best law, sometimes it doesn't go as far as you need it to go. And so I think the protest movements that we've seen, both the the movements around fracking and the broader protests around climate change, um, including um, the, the greater protests now focusing on civil disobedience, I understand why those protests have come about and why they are important. Because the law, every time the law has has been drawn upon, well, almost every time in the United Kingdom, um, it hasn't quite got to the place where it's needed to get to. That has started to change. We've seen some decisions, especially on air quality and recently on policy around fracking, where there's been significant wins. Mm. But overall, the law is a more difficult tool in this area of justice than it has been in some other areas. And so I think the importance of protest um, is there, 
because that is a direct route to influence the policymakers to nudge, change, amend the law in a way that then gets you home before the courts. So you need some of that political driver you to make those changes happen, don't you? You do, absolutely. And relying always on things like the, the planning laws. And I know a lot mm. of the cases that you've, you've been working on have actually just come down to planning issues, which, yes. which are you know, winnable, but, but don't always address the bigger issues. Relying on those alone is probably not going to be enough as we move forward, is it? It can in, in certain circumstances, but you're right when you step back and take an overall view, when you think... You know, how should, the, how should we be shaping our decisions and how should the government be helping us to shape our decisions in a way that addresses climate change? You're right that the traffic impact of a particular development is not really going to get you where you need to be, right? It might mean that in the end, a fracking site is not developed. And that's exactly what happened with Rosica Wood. It came down to traffic impact. And so it's a bit like, you know, getting Al Capone for tax evasion. There are times when you can achieve something extraordinary with a a pure planning policy approach. But in the end, is that going to get us where we need to be on climate change as a whole? I think the answer is probably no. And I guess I'd probably know the answer to this question, but but would you ever condone law-breaking in order to get an issue into the public realm and and make change? This is an interesting question of jurisprudence and I can give you what I think the kind of philosophical answer to that is and then I'll give you my answer. Um, The philosophical answer comes down to whether you believe that um, the law is just a system of rules and that there are morals outside of the law that can motivate you to break that system of rules in certain circumstances or whether you believe that um, the law must inextricably stand as it is. It is the embodiment of our moral beliefs And that if you step outside of it, that there can be no moral justification for that. For me, I start from the position that the rule of law is a necessary gatekeeper to prevent excess of power. And so as a general principle, I think it's incredibly important to stay within the law. Because those forces that you want to act against, that you want to keep in check, are predominantly kept in check by the law. But I think, as a matter of principle, that the law does not embody all of morality. And that even in a democracy, there are circumstances where it is legitimate to step outside of the law if you are willing to bear the consequences in order to bring an issue before the courts. So that's my personal view. I would never condone stepping outside of the law so far as to encompass, for example, damage to property and hurt to people or hurt to animals. But I think that civil disobedience, like slow walking a truck to a site, like occupying a bridge, I can see that there is a justification for doing that if your aim is to bring an issue before the courts in a particular way. Thank you. Thank you to my guests and thank you for listening. We would love to hear from you about what you think about Planet Pod. You can tweet at planet underscore pod or get in touch via the website theplanetpod.com where you can subscribe and download previous episodes. If you've enjoyed today's show, please give us a five-star review. It helps us make better programmes. Be sustainable and stay green. Stay green.